below and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. I'd like to say thank you to this episode's sponsor, State and Liberty, a performance-focused dress clothing brand for men. We all face the issue of purchasing off-the-shelf dress clothes that seem just to fit loose and uncomfortable. State and Liberty noticed this void by creating clothing that fits your active lifestyle that appears custom-tailored to you at the same time. Make sure to check them out for yourself at stateandliberty.com, where you can find everything from pants, shirts, coats, and even complete suits. That's stateandliberty.com, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by the co-founder of Hydrant, John Sherwin. Studying biological sciences at the University of Oxford, John realized the missing void in a healthy energy and hydration supplement. Listen as we talk about the development of Hydrant, a rapid hydration formula that is mixed with a balance of water, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc to keep you truly hydrated. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by John Sherwin of Hydrant. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on camera. I'm excited to chat. Of course. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Wow, that's a very broad question. Um, (laughs) So I was born in the U.S. in New York, um, but I did most of my growing up in a town called Bath in the U.K. Hmm. It's in the southwest. Um, I have two siblings. And I guess what was my childhood like? Um, It was a lot of fun if I if I think back, uh, I'm very close with my siblings. Uh, I have an American father and an English mother. So we have, I like to think, a somewhat unique perspective on the world, um, just like some culturally American parts of us and some culturally British parts. Yeah. Obviously, I sound largely British. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we were, we were super lucky. We um, had parents who didn't uh, push us super hard on the education front. But for whatever reason, I think all three of us turned out to be kind of workaholic yeah. um, And so we worked hard and uh, did, did pretty well in school. Yeah. Awesome. Did you have an entrepreneurship mindset growing up? Did you ever try to make any companies or sell anything as a kid? As a kid, honestly, no. Um, okay. I, I'd love to, you know, tell you a story of, uh, you know, having a great lemonade stand, which I, <laughs> I feel like is what most, most entrepreneurs have to tell. But no, I, I, I really don't think I did. I think the closest I got to that was my brother and I um, tried to start a battery recycling program in our village. Okay. Um, there was no monetary gain to be had. It was, it was really just to uh, try and help people recycle their batteries. Um, it was very short-lived. It did not go very well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was the first taste of putting yourself out there a bit. Uh, yeah. I think one of the scariest things for entrepreneurs, and, and this held right the way through to, um, you know, working on Hydrant from the early days is, you have to sometimes walk into places of business where you are supposed to be the customer mm-hmm. and not be a customer. And just like breaking that kind of social construct For is sure. a very strange place to be in. Um, so it, it's definitely a learning experience. Totally. I saw that you went in 2010 to study at the University of Oxford. What did you study there? So I studied biological sciences. Um, okay. I, I should confess, I also applied to colleges in the US, but... Um, ended up at Oxford doing biological sciences. The reason the US made a lot of sense for me is um, the way education works is Mm. very broad. So you don't have to specialize typically until a couple of years into your degree. Where in the UK, you apply for one thing and one thing only most of the time. There are a couple of exceptions. Um, So for me, I I loved biology. Um, I also loved economics, but 
I could not see myself doing economics for three years. Yeah. Uh, and I figured this is the, the right time to really indulge um, my curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so it was three years straight of biology and nothing else. Gotcha. What was your experience like at Oxford as a university? Um, again, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, it is it is every bit as intense as um, kind of the reputation would imply. Uh, sure. There are different ways of approaching it, um, but we have these eight-week semesters or trimesters, I suppose. There's three mm-hmm. of them. Um, they're eight weeks long, and there's sometimes an extra week added on for exams. Mm-hmm. And during that eight-week period, you are cramming in all of the studying, all of the testing and exams, and all of the socializing into such a small period of time before everyone leaves the town again yeah. um, that it just it is nonstop and and. I mean, we'll get into it, but that was really where hydration was one of the things that helped me push through like mm. week seven and eight is just, it's a marathon by the For end sure. of it in terms of like the studying and the social. Um, so that was where I really, I started to notice dehydration as being something that could really be impacting my performance. Gotcha. So prior to hydrant, what kind of jobs were you working following college or even during college if you had some other jobs? Um, so, I mean, I, I, my mom always felt strongly that we um, like take jobs from a pretty young age and try mm-hmm. out uh, all sorts of different like service service roles. Um, so like I've worked in an ice cream parlor way back when. Um, I have done a bit of volunteering. Um, in college, I did something uh, fairly atypical. Um, <laughs> I I started a well, I say I started a small business. It, it didn't. <laughs> do super well, uh, much like the battery enterprise. Um, Basically, I recognized there was an opportunity in the nightlife space within Oxford uh, to help owners of nightclubs to differentiate between their customers, basically price differentiate between them. Uh, I came up with this whole concept. It was called Q Cutter. The idea was Mm -hmm. you would sell a subscription to students to be able to cut the line to get into the bar. Um, Of course, this was in the UK where the drinking age is 18. So Mm -hmm. most people, by the time they get to college, are of age to drink. Um, So it might be different for your audience. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) um, So, you know, and that I I spoke a bit about going into a place where you're typically a customer and having to be something else. And in order to set that business up, I, you know, I thought the idea was solid. Um, I was working with a friend on it and I was the one who was going into the nightclubs themselves during the day, which is a bizarre thing to do. It smells like um, vomit and cleaning fluid all mixed together. Um, but uh, I would go in there and, and meet these managers in, in seedy little rooms uh, off the side of the nightclub and you know, successfully got five of the clubs, which was the main five I wanted to sign up to this program and say, hey, like if someone shows up with this card, we'll let them in. Um, yeah. It wasn't like a watertight contract it was just a sort of handshake yep okay cool um so i was pretty excited about that and and like the potential extra money it could bring me just to support me through my studies um but of course there was a a a flaw in the plan which is the nightlife scene is run by an events company in oxford and uh okay that well there's a couple of events companies but this one in particular um was fairly sort of uh shall we say, monopolistic. <laughs> and they did not like that the nightclubs were agreeing to work with anyone but them. So they basically gotcha. threatened the uh, nightclubs and said, look, if you accept this card on the door, uh, we'll pull our marketing from your events. 
Wow. And uh, just like that, my first venture was over. That, I, I mean, it wasn't quite, I, I tried to partner with the, the events company just to like get something going. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a really fantastic experience early on. My friends still make fun of me for it. Um, it's kind of <laughs> like the, the British way of uh, being friends. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was a good learning experience. That's so fascinating. So how did the event companies find out about that? Did like customers actually start using it and word of mouth or? No, it never even got to that. I think the managers of the nightclubs must have said something. So oh, okay. th this was the, the big flaw in my plan was going straight to the nightclubs. Um, I had assumed wrongly that they were really the, the sort of anchors of the whole scene yeah. at university. Um, but the reality was this one event company would host an, uh, uh, like a party every single night at a different bar around town. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the night when that bar made most of its money. And so if he pulled his support to that nightclub, they would not have that high revenue generating event and mm. they would lose out as a business. But they would basically be sort of off the map. Gotcha. Um, so I did not understand who held the leverage in that relationship. Gotcha. I, I see that you started Hydrant around 2016. So getting into that, what was the overall inspiration? You said hydration was a big key towards your college years. What inspired you to create and pursue Hydrant? Yeah, so I, I guess there's, there's two sides to this. There's one is like existing products were not very good, but mm -hmm. the other piece is like, what was the problem I was trying to solve? So the problem was really, there were a lot of different pressures on my life through college. I played kind of amateur level sports. So I think intramural is probably the word we would use here in the States. Mm -hmm. um, so intramural sports, I'm studying hard. I have this intense like eight week block to get ready for exams. Um, and then I'm also, you know, trying to make friends and, and going out. And of course there is a, a nightlife scene in the UK mm -hmm. and all of this just puts pressure on your, um, your health, mm -hmm. uh, and your energy levels. And of course, you know, I am there to get a degree first and foremost, and I, I would be a fool to pass up the academic opportunities available. So I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, I was bringing all of myself to my studies. Mm -hmm. uh, and I noticed that the medical students were um, drinking this pretty disgusting little medical looking sachet of rehydration salts um, from the UK. Uh, I tasted it and it, it is truly horrible, um, <laughs> but it is very effective. And I kind of got curious, um, you know, I briefly considered going down the medicine track and biology is not too far removed. So I'm able to, one of the skills you get taught in a science degree is to critique academic literature and to review it very quickly mm. um, and kind of understand what is true and, and, and what is not. Uh, and so I, I basically read up on all of the available hydration literature that there was and understood the mechanism for why this gross little packet of rehydration salts was more effective than a bottle of um, the leading sports drink brand in the UK, for example. And, okay. um, you know, from there, I, at that point, I don't think I'd come up with a really succinct way of explaining it. Um, I moved to the U.S. to work at a startup out West, um, making software tools for scientists and still kind of had this itch that I needed to scratch. I was, I was trying all the hydration products in the U.S. now that I was living there and still couldn't find something that was both effective, not super sugary uh, and not like gross tasting. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, something that didn't feel like I was just putting artificial things in my body. Um, 
and I, I couldn't find it. I really couldn't. So uh, after many attempts to find it, I started thinking, well, look, I'm just going to have to make this myself. Mm. Um, and so I probably did something rash that I don't recommend, which is <laughs> I quit, quit my job um, before I really had much of an idea of how it was going to work out um, or much of a plan even. Mm. Uh, and I drove from the West Coast back to New York, kind of got set up here uh, and immediately was calling people in the consumer packaged goods world or CPG as we call it, um, smart people who knew more than I did and just said like, hey, I have this idea. This is the kind of product that I want to make. Uh, what am I not thinking about? And I'd go on these round the block walking meetings with people, anyone who would give me the time of day, just yeah. trying to learn from them. Like I get the science part. What I don't get is the food and beverage world or supplement world. Um, we are not technically a supplement, but of course, being a powder, a lot of people think that we are. For sure. So um, yeah, it, it was really a learning mission first. Uh, and I would recommend that people do the learning part while they still have a job. Uh, that was uh, the flaw in my plan. Um, but uh, from there, quickly got into branding and formulation of the product itself, getting to somewhere, something that tasted good enough. And it, and it was pretty clear from the first or second round of formulation that we were going to be able to make something that tasted unique, differentiated within the market, and like most importantly, good, yeah. without adding a ton of sugar, without adding diet sweeteners that would make it taste like a little weird. Um, it's just like a super smooth, subtle, refreshing drink. Um, I will admit the first version, even the first version that came off the production line uh, was not perfect. It was mm -hmm. a little salty tasting and didn't dissolve as fast as it, I wish it would have. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've since gone through a couple of revisions of the formula. Gotcha. How would you, once it was established, how would you evaluate or test effectiveness of your product at this time? You mean like the functional effectiveness of it? Yeah, like how could you actually tell the hydration amount and actually affecting your body? How would you be able to test and evaluate when you started out? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so hydration is a sort of multivariate problem. There are so many variables in your body that determine your hydration status mm -hmm. uh, that it's very difficult to measure. Even in a clinical setting, uh, there are lots of different ways you can measure it. You can measure it with bioelectrical impedance, which is where you put a couple of electrodes on you and measure the resistance between them. If you pass current through, you can do um, specific gravity of urine. You can do uh, an osmolality of the blood. There, there are like so many different ways of doing it and so many different things that affect it. But it's very difficult to get a solid read on how hydrated someone is um, quickly. Uh, yeah. What you would see if you go into a hospital, certainly in the UK, um, is a the quickest method is the color of your pee uh, for figuring out how dehydrated you are. So like very, very clear, you have drunk plenty of water and you know you don't need to drink any more water right now. It's not necessarily something to be worried about, but it can be. Um, going all the way through to like super dark and you need to seek medical help at that point. Yeah. Um, that, that is the quickest, simplest way to figure out your hydration status. The only other one I would mention is um, a skin pinch. So some doctors will grab your skin to try and um, kind of see how much elasticity there is. Mm -hmm. And that is affected by your hydration too. So okay. with those being the tools, how did I measure the effectiveness of, of hydrant um, in the early days? Uh, I did not do it using lab methods. Um, and I didn't do it. Well, I guess I, I probably did do it with the color of my pee and pinching my skin <laughs> as well. 
Um, but it, it was it was more subjective on how I felt and how customers felt in those early reviews after drinking the product. Okay. Um, and we can talk a bit more about like testing into the right message and educating people on when to use it. Um, but the uh, the only other thing I would add is I knew that um, one of the major functional levers you can pull on from the academic literature to make something good at hydrating you is what's called the osmolarity. And that's just the concentration of the solution. And mm. that you can get lab tested. Um, okay. So I sent the product out, got the lab test back. and was like, we are crushing everyone on the market. I tested other products as well. Um, and, and some products will put the figure on their website. We were just like so far ahead. It, it wasn't even close. Um, so I, I knew we had a uh, theoretically very strong product. And then couple that with the really positive reviews that were coming through from customers. Um, you know, we were onto a winner. Awesome. So at this time, how did you pay for production, uh, research, et cetera? Did you acquire any funding? At the start, yeah. So um, I had I, I lived pretty frugally when I was in the Bay Area. So I had some of my own savings that I invested. I raised a very small friends and family round, um, okay. and kind of used all of that to invest in the formulation, the branding, and the various early mistakes that I made, um, which kind of everyone makes. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Indiegogo and raised. A further, I think it was 17 and a half grand was where our Indiegogo netted out. Um, okay. And that was, that was a, a great experience, just kind of learning um, how difficult it can be For sure. to drive traffic and also to build trust with customers. And my, my kind of thesis from day one has been that if I'm asking someone to put what I make in their body uh, to ingest it, trust is the number one lever that we have to pull on. Totally. Um, so that was a, a really good early lesson. Like 17.5K is, is not a gangbusters um, Indiegogo fundraise mm-hmm. by any stretch. Like it was successful, but it was not huge. Um, so it was a bit of a blow, but, you know, soldiered on and made that first product. And um, the next time we brought in funding was when my co-founder joined me in the summer of 2018. Okay. At this time, did you have... Um one flavor or what flavors were you offering at the time of launching? So when we launched, I was still kind of sciencey in my brain and we had one flavor. Okay. <laughs> I, I had thought, you know, who cares about flavor? It's all about function. This thing is like the most functional hydration products on the market. For sure. There's no way anyone wouldn't buy it. How wrong I was. Um, very <laughs> quickly listening to customers. It was like, look, I, I really love the concept, but I don't love lime. Um, yeah. Can you make another flavor? Or it would be, hey, I've been buying this for three months. I'm bored of lime. Can you make another flavor? So it, it was you know, pretty obvious that we needed to do that. So uh, I think within a year of the original production run, we had launched our second flavor, which was grapefruit. Uh, and then uh, you know, a few months thereafter, we launched our third flavor. And since then, I think we're at six flavors of our main skew. We're at three flavors of our caffeinate. Yeah. We have a lot of flavors. I don't need to list them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. So at this time, how did you begin to advertise Hydrant then? What were the most effective forms of advertising for your company, would you say? So um, in the very early days, so after the Indiegogo, mm-hmm. uh, production run arrives, got a very simple Shopify website up and running. Uh, honestly, it was a lot of word of mouth. I was also yeah. taking boxes of the product into local bodegas around New York City 
and meeting the owners and just saying, hey, can I put this box on your counter and you can sell these? The packaging was the same shape as emergency, um, which is like a, a staple in New York City bodegas. And I thought, well, if I just can pitch the owner of the bodega that this is something they can sell at a price premium, so $2 a pack instead of one, and that it's likely to help people with hangovers, even though I never directly made that claim. It was just like, oh, people love drinking this after the night, after they've been drinking the night before, they get it. And they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, we'll tell people to try drinking it then. Yeah. Um, and so that was the other thing. And so I, I started seeing orders coming in from zip codes around New York City uh, on Shopify. And, and it was really gratifying to see that there was some traction, but super slow. Um, and it was the end of that summer when I met my co-founder, Jay, who uh, dropped out of business school and invested his tuition money into Hydrant. With that funding, we were able to start running some digital advertising tests. And once you kind of get a, a little taste of how powerful that is, it's very difficult to want to go back to like dragging a bunch of Hydrant around in a backpack <laughs> to loads of different bodegas who never call you when it's out of stock For sure, uh, yeah. and, and checking in. So um, we, we kind of very quickly became primarily direct consumer and, and sort of shut down our bodega side of the business. Um, we were, I don't remember kind of exactly how we were thinking about marketing back then. I know that we had a number of hypotheses for what people would use the product for. So drinking it after drinking alcohol was one use case, uh, drinking it after sports was another use case and drinking it first thing in the morning was another use case. Okay. I'm sure there were a few others. Uh, and that's the beauty of digital marketing is we were able to test these value propositions to a number of different types of consumers. So we, we would take, you know, different audiences. Maybe it's like uh, women in their 30s who do yoga and mm. men in their 20s who work in finance, like, you know, you name it. That's the great thing about digital marketing is you can split your audiences Absolutely. and test different value props against them. Um, and from that, we, we basically realized, like, we do not want to be any, anything to do with alcohol. Um, and we don't necessarily want to be a sports drink either. We yeah. kind of want to be our own thing, which is this proactive hydration drink that tastes delicious and, and brings an experience to, um, br brings an experience to hydration beyond just drinking plain water mm -hmm. with the added benefit of functionally hydrating you faster. For sure. So from a customer's standpoint, when should a customer use hydrant and then like how often as well? So we kind of, we ended up taking what at the time felt like a big bet and writing on the packaging, wake up with a hydrant first thing in the morning. Okay. Um, I think it was like, uh, I can't remember exactly the copy. It's been a while, but uh, wake up with a rush of morning hydration, something along those lines. And the idea was, uh, during the night, I say the idea, the science of it is that during the night you lose water. Um, so you sweat, you lose water when you breathe. Um, and when you sweat, it evaporates, which cools you down. So your body uses less energy. And there've been studies that show at any given body temperature, when you're asleep, you sweat more than when you're awake. And it's thought to be because your body is trying to preserve that energy and get your core temperature down as much as possible. Um, as a result, you don't see any of the sweat that you lost through the night most of the time when you wake up because it's evaporated. Yeah. And so most people are conditioned in certainly in American society to think, oh, 
I wake up and I'm feeling kind of like a little groggy, maybe I have a headache, I need a coffee or I need caffeine of some form. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the sort of the, the kind of fallacy that we decided we were going to target. It's like, no, you're probably dehydrated. And if you just drink water, that's great. It's a step in the right direction. But water is absorbed relatively slowly when compared with a product with the right balance of electrolytes and a little bit of sugar. Mm. And so we could get you feeling much better, much faster first thing in the morning before you reach for that coffee. Um, and that has been our anchor point from uh, not from day one, but from way back in uh, late 2018. And we stick by it, really. It's just it, just from reading reviews from customers, you can see that that moment in time, that kind of insight that we had, that was a great time for people to drink the product, mm-hmm. really stuck for people. And, and people are having such success with it um, that it, we would be foolish to kind of move away from it. That said, we are developing other products to help them at different moments in their day. Gotcha. So on the scientific side, do you say that hydrant has some other factors such as a mood boost or energy outside of uh, just hydration? So as we add these other product lines, we're certainly going to be going more into that. So we have an energy product line, which has caffeine and L-theanine. Caffeine, obviously everyone's familiar with. L-theanine is an amino acid uh, also found in green tea that can kind of smooth out the uh, jitteriness of the Mm. caffeine. So great, great for focus. Um, so we wanted to, to have a product in that regard. But, um, and we're going to continue to, to develop more product lines along those different functional realms. But the benefits of hydration are very broad and yeah. they're often subtle. So yes, there are absolutely studies that show having a good hydration status leads to a better mood. Mm. Um, there are studies that show the incidence of headaches declining when you are well hydrated. Um, there's a, a lot of different functional benefits of just being well hydrated. Um, sure. we, we are a beverage legally. Our product is a beverage. So um, we don't necessarily lean too hard into the functional element, but hydration as a concept has been shown time and time again um, in studies like real peer reviewed academic journals to have all kinds of benefits to our health and performance. And really that's what we're trying to support. We're trying to yeah. get people to wake up to the fact that they're probably dehydrated when you're hungry, you're probably dehydrated. For sure. <laughs> um, like tired, groggy, probably dehydrated. And to make that, that first instinct not be caffeine or food or a nap, but drink water. Or even better, drink hydrant because we're going to yeah. make you feel that effect faster. Gotcha. So looking at hydrant today, what would you say is your top seller flavor-wise? So blood orange is killer for us. Okay. Um, we... We recently launched a number of new flavors, um, but it's too early to say if they're going to be the best sellers. Yeah. Uh, but Blood Orange is our kind of, uh, it was a third flavor we launched. It is very delicious and unique. Um, not that the other flavors aren't unique, but it just, it's so true to Blood Orange, the fruit. Yeah. Um, and I think it tastes a little bit sweeter maybe than our original flavors. Um, so that, that that is definitely the number one. Okay. What would you say separates hydrant from your competitors also in this field? Yeah. So, I, I mean, we view our competitors really as being like big sports drink. Um, okay. So like the, the massive sports drink brands that are selling ready to drink products across the country in cases at large supermarket chains, 
uh, at gas stations in like single bottle form. Um, we think that is really where the opportunity lies. Mm -hmm. uh, the main incumbent there has like 70% market share or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, the sky is the limit as to eroding that market share and yeah. getting people um, drinking a less, a lower sugar, less artificial color flavors, sweeteners product that is truly functional um, and building it into their routine. Um, the other thing is, you know, a lot of our customers are drinking this product at home uh, where, you know, they have a cup, they have a bottle available and it's not a case of like a 30 pack is the unit we sell on, on our website. Okay. Um, you can have a 30 pack in your cupboard and it really doesn't take up more space than a, like a cereal box. For sure. Um, yeah. But if you had a case of 30 sports drinks, it would be taking up a lot of space. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a number of, of benefits there. In terms of like the differentiating factors, I'll do a quick comparison. So mm -hmm. sugar is probably the main one. Um, although, of course, there are now sugar-free sports drinks that use diet sweeteners. Um, our core hydration product is um, a balance of electrolytes more similar to that of your blood mm. versus your sweat. Where a sports drink is trying to be like your sweat, we're trying to have a, a ratio of sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc that is more like your blood. Okay. Um, and all of this is pulled straight from the academic literature behind uh, a concept called oral rehydration solutions, ORS, mm -hmm. um, which has been around since the late 1970s. Um, so, you know, I, I always think of it as we're standing on the shoulders of giants that came before us yeah. and leveraging that research to our benefit. Gotcha. Um, the other piece, so we've mm -hmm. talked about sugar, we've talked about electrolyte balance. The last thing is that osmolarity piece, which I mentioned earlier, yeah. having a really low osmolarity. Um, now that osmolarity goes up, the more sugar you have. So we're kind of naturally set up to have a better osmolarity than most traditional sports drinks that, that are carb based. Um, so that's the main thing. I mean, and that's just from a functional standpoint, from a taste standpoint, it's really hard to, to describe like we're less sweet. I think that's where the market is going. And then that's really how we want to be. Um, we're not trying to just overly sweeten everything to remind you of sodas from back in the 1990s. <laughs> yeah. There's no, no nostalgia needed. I think, um, America is getting used to a less sweet flavor profile. Not everyone likes the diet sweeteners. Um, some are better than others. And uh, we, we really went for real fruit juice powder in every single product, which is not something you'll find in any of the powdered products um, that are direct competitors of ours. They're, they're all using flavor systems that don't use the real juice. Mm. Um, and by using real juice, it's expensive, uh, but it gives you this like subtle but real fruit taste that makes such a difference. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of adds to the whole refreshment. There's no lingering aftertastes. Um, so it's a flavor and a function difference. Um, for sure. I hope I haven't gone on too long on that no. answer. <laughs> no, that's perfect. So for the listeners out there, where can Hydrant be found? Uh, so, I mean, we have been primarily an e-commerce business to date mm -hmm. at drinkhydrant.com. Uh, we also are available on Amazon, uh, but the selection of products available is not as broad as what's on our website. We've been very busy through the summer launching new flavors, new product lines, including an immunity, hydration plus immunity product line. Um, we're in Whole Foods in the Northeast and we are launching Walmart nationwide as of this week. Wow. So we'll be available Congrats. in many local Walmarts across the country. Awesome. So I like to wrap up each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice 
with an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret, just anything. Yeah, so I I have a go-to here. Um, mm-hmm. I think it may be a bit of a cliche at this point, but I, I can't <laughs> stress it enough. And, and I used to read a lot of business books and it's always in there. And I always think, yeah, I would never do that, but I did. Um, <laughs> it is taking too long to ship product. And what okay. I mean by that is being a perfectionist. So uh, the very specific example here is when we were formulating version one of Hydrant, um, I spent probably eight months trying to get it to perfect. Eight mm. months is an insane amount of time to spend on a relatively simple uh, electrolyte drink mix product. Mm. And I kept trying to get to perfect without getting a ton of people to taste the product. As soon as we launched it and had random people who I'd never met across the country tasting it, giving feedback, suddenly I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of see what they're talking about here. Or, oh, there's a pattern in this feedback. I'm going to make this tweak to the product. They wouldn't have hated it if I had launched it after four months, for example, yeah. so half the time, and I would have still made the changes. So um, I wasted you know, at least four months uh, in spending that long formulating. And it's just because I was scared to launch something that wasn't perfect. But of course, what I launched was not perfect anyway. So my, encourage, my, my advice would be, don't wait for perfect. If, if you feel like you're 70% of the way there, pull the trigger. For sure. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Hydrant at drinkhydrant.com. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.